The blast from our past network. Folks, this just in. The ongoing comic book discussion podcast confirms comic books are cool. About that Darth Vader character. <laughs> About that Darth Vader guy. Cool cat. Oh my gosh. <laughs> cool dude. Cool, cool, cool. dude. Yeah. That cool. guy's a cool dude. Cool helmet. Cool helmet. <laughs> that's, a, that's a dude's dude, right? <laughs> yeah, that is a dude's dude for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. Hey, guys and gals out there. Welcome to the Ongoing Comic Book Discussion Podcast. I'm Corey, and this week I am joined by Tim and Dean of Talking Back. Hey, guys. How's it going? Going great. I was waiting for you to say something, Dean. I was just going to follow your lead. <laughs> okay, cool. It's, it's going good, yeah. Hey, Corey. How are you? I'm doing great. I, I love it. I don't, I'm, sure I'll, I'm sure I'll trim that a little bit, but I'm, I'm just having a good time with it. <laughs> yeah, we are very happy to be here. Uh, thank you. And, and thank you guys for, for coming um, this week. Tess is on a little bit of a hey of a, What is wrong with me? <laughs> This Slow week, it down, Corey. Tess is, I know, I know. I am. I'm frantic after the crash. I'm trying to like rebalance my energies. True, right. true. This week, Tess is on hiatus, and I'm luckily I'm joined with Tim and Dean to help uh, help out. But uh, we do miss you, Tess. We love you. We we can't wait to have you back. Don't leave me stuck with these guys forever. <laughs> yeah, we're horrible. We need Tess in here. Tess, we miss you. Yeah, we were looking forward to our podcast, but. Uh... It's okay. We'll catch next you next time. time. Next time, yeah. Yes. So just so you all know out there, uh, two things. One, we had a bit of a computer crash halfway through our episode, so we're a little bit uh, uh, re-recording it now. And two, we were going to do um, uh, Doom Patrol and because uh, that was Tess's pick but we're going to save that for another week for when she can be a part of that conversation and uh, this week we decided to go with the Marvel Dark the Marvel Darth Vader comic which uh, came out in 2016 I think we established 2015 uh, that's right it's uh, it was the first run of the Marvel Darth Vader comic and it takes place um, after New Hope and before Empire Strikes Back, during that nice little sweet spot where you know Han Solo talks about the uh, the bounty hunter they ran into on Ord Mandel and everything, I think I think George Lucas has said that there's about three years between uh, mm-hmm. A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. So there's a whole lot of space and time that you can have fun in that area. And uh, this right here is the first trade of the Darth Vader comic, so it's essentially the first six issues, and it picks up almost immediately after a new hope or somewhere around there you know if you things are still a bit uh <laughs> sour for for poor vader uh and and his his poor performance uh for the battle of yavin but uh before we jump in um i know you guys are both big star wars fans but uh dean what's what's your experience with this comic in particular and uh or just darth vader in general yeah my experience with this comic um in 2015 when this comic was coming out um, I was big into getting every single comic that came out every week. I was getting the new stuff all the time. I was actually writing for a little website that some friends and I put together. So um, I was definitely hitting this comic up and hitting all these Star Wars com- comics up that came out in 2015. Um, I loved it. 
I, you know, carried on with it for a number of issues. I don't think I finished out the entire run because when we hit sort of 2016-17, that's when I fell off the map of new comics. Um, mm-hmm. But I definitely got through, you know, all the issues that we're going to talk about today and was really into it, really into this comic. One of my yeah, favorites yeah. of, like, the new Star Wars comics, the new runs. Okay. I, I can definitely concur with that because I was reading uh, when they rebooted the Star Wars run uh, with Marvel. You know, when Marvel or Disney slash Marvel took over the whole Star Wars thing, I was the same as you. I was kind of doing the weekly thing. And uh, it was, it was uh, you know, the Star Wars proper was fun, but I really got into the Darth Vader comic. Uh, Tim, what about you, buddy? Do you have experience with this series right here? Yes, 100%. When this series came out, I was training on Mustafar to be a Sith Lord myself. So this <laughs> oh, one really, really hits deep with me. I really uh, appreciate a lot of things going on. Um, obviously, I am a huge Darth Vader fan. If you want to check out our Talking Back Instagram page, I, I'm sorry to plug this so early, but I can't help myself <laughs> from posting Darth Vader stuff. And um, this is such a great thing that we actually will have a reason now to, you know, maybe throw up some Darth Vader posts. But I've always been a fan of Darth Vader. I don't know what it is. Like, I don't know why I was a fan of him. Like, he was the bad guy. You know, he gets redemption, but he's the bad guy. I always was kind of drawn to the Emperor as well. Mm -hmm. I I think it might, I think it might go all the way back to when I was maybe 10 or 11 years old. And I was out for Halloween one day. And I was, you know, trick-or-treating with a friend or two, and then they went home, and I wanted to hit a couple extra houses. Everybody was gone. It was completely dark. And who do I see walking down the middle of the road with nobody (laughs) around? It's Darth Vader in some dude (laughs) in the most impressive Darth Vader costume I've ever seen in my life. He had all the lights going and everything. He was tall. I think I just walked up to him, and I was just like, oh, wow. Like, that's an amazing costume. And I, I don't I don't remember the interaction. I remember him walking up towards me. I remember feeling unsafe, but everything <laughs> worked out. But I just I, I love this character. I, I love everything about him. So I was really happy that they brought this book out and I jumped on it. And um, yeah, I read uh, this is volume one we're going to be doing. I yeah. read up until the end of volume three and I feel like I need to go back and keep going. Yeah, I I was sitting there on the couch yesterday reading these issues, and I, I have the whole thing, the whole run on my comicsology. so I'm, like, laying there, just, like, my feet just kind of, like, d- dingling back and forth, and I was like, oh, man, this is so awesome, and, like, as I was done with, like, issue six, I was like hmm, I guess I'm just going to download the rest of them because I can't stop now. It's so much fun. It's It's honestly... I'm kind of the opposite. I was never the biggest Darth Vader fan. I always thought he was cool looking, but you all pretty much know me. I was a huge Boba Fett fan. Um, But as I gotten older, I've really learned to appreciate the complexity of Darth Vader. And I think his his complexity is what I find to be the most interesting thing about him. And just the fact that like some of these writers have really delved into like his psyche and like how like he truly believes that Anakin is dead because he has to believe that. Otherwise he would essentially go insane from, from, you know, just being upset at himself and everything. He has to convince himself that Anakin Skywalker is dead and all that's left is Darth Vader. I like these things. I like the torment of Darth Vader. I think it's it's a very 
um, human plight that he he finds himself in, and uh, and then at the end, just the fact that you can be redeemed is is a beautiful thing. You know, I I think it's an amazing story, and I, me personally, I love the prequels. I think they just did a great job of of fleshing Anakin Skywalker out, and thus I think that's what made me appreciate Darth Vader uh, more when when I got you know back to watching the OT trilogy was after you know enjoying and uh, uh, the the prequels is primarily the Clone Wars cartoons. Like I'd I'd say that uh, Matt Lanter is probably my Anakin Skywalker. You know he did the voice in in uh, Clone Wars. So I I just I do love the character, but it's it's been an adult love. Like I, I fell in love with him later, and of course. Rogue One didn't hurt <laughs> at all to see him just com- kick so much butt like that. That was so um, good. That was so yeah. good. Dean, I know that you love Darth Vader. Are are you a are you also an Anakin Skywalker fan? Um, I am an Anakin Skywalker fan. Um, I'm not an Hayden Christensen fan, um, mm-hmm. but I am an Anakin Skywalker fan. You, I, I'm kind of in the same boat as you, Corey. Where as a kid, I wasn't really a huge Darth Vader fan. And I think it's because I saw these movies so young. And so it was like good versus evil. And I'm always on the side of good. Um, but as an adult, and actually specifically just recently, when I rewatched everything leading up to Rise, you know, mm-hmm. chronological order, you know, started with The Phantom Menace. That's when it really clicked into me that this whole set of movies is all about Anakin Skywalker. It's all about Darth Vader. And that's what really holds them all together. And that arc, you talk about the amazing scene in, in Rogue One when he, he goes in and he kicks butt. I'm thinking, when I watch all the movies up to that point, I'm thinking, he has a daughter in the next room he doesn't even know about. Like, it's, mm, it's mm. all this emotion that with this character that makes that redeemable moment at the end of uh, Jedi where it just, I think it's the magic. I think it's the magic of Star Wars is all in Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader. Okay. I, I, dude, I feel you on that. My, of course, my wife and I did the same thing. We watched, um, all the movies, all right up to Rise of Skywalker. Uh, we didn't, like, insert Clone Wars, the cartoons, or Rebels, but we had both seen them every, every episode. Um, and I, t- I turned to my wife and I told her this, and I go, the weirdest thing happened during this entire viewing process. I, Never once in the OT and the original trilogy stuff, I never once looked at Darth Vader as Darth Vader. I looked at Darth Vader as Anakin in armor. Like, Mm. it was something switched in my head, just butting everything up next to each other, going from one thing to another. And then all of a sudden, you know, Revenge of the Sith goes right into uh, Rogue One. And when Darth Vader comes out, it's like, like, oh, that's, that's not this abstract character. That's Anakin freaking Skywalker right there. Totally. Like, that's what my... And I was like, whoa. And just looking at it through that lens. And then, you know, from his point of view, he's looking at these guys that are just as bad as the Separatists, you know? Like, be, even though we think they're the good guys, which is the whole, you know, uh, one man's freedom fighters and other man's, you know, terrorists. Um, but it was a very interesting thing that happened. I, and I wasn't even expecting it. Wasn't going into it to, for that to happen, but I couldn't... Anytime Vader was on the screen, I couldn't look at him as this big evil president. I could only look at him as Anakin Skywalker. So I thought that was really cool. Uh, Corey, Um, Corey, do you think that on this reviewing that you did, do you think part of the reason that you saw him that way was because you had seen the Clone Wars and they hash out Anakin's character so much more in that series? mm -hmm. And it's just that none of that's really um, elaborated on in the movies because there's not enough time. And do you think that was the big thing for you that changed? 
it it, it was um, having that knowledge there, uh, you know, in my brain. But then just just the sheer proximity of watching Revenge of the Sith like one day before Rogue One, you know, like watching all of these movies so close to each other. I if you haven't done it and you're a Star Wars fan, I highly recommend doing it. it is a commitment, but try to watch them all together as quickly as possible, and and you'll see the bigger picture things that you might have missed like on other viewings. But dude. Uh, the Clone Wars cartoons uh, and sort of like Rebels 2, that is my prequels. I view the prequel movies as these these things that help like flesh out the Clone Wars cartoon. Like to me, the cartoon is prime canon. The movie is like – the movies are like these tertiary things. Uh, Tim, I know you're, you're, you're a big Clone Wars fan, but like are, did you watch Rebels 2? Uh, yes, I did. Yeah. Nice. And did you did you enjoy Rebels? I did enjoy Rebels, not nearly as much as Clone Wars, but I mean, I think we've talked about it before, like whatever Star Wars content you want to throw my way, I'm going to enjoy it. I don't care how bad it is. Um, You know, I will watch it and I will like it because all I want is I want story building in this universe, right? I want them to tell us something new, something that might tie something, you know, small or big into something that we already knew. And they've done a really good job with, you know, Clone Wars and Rebels and these animated shows doing that, like providing this background information for us so that these um, moments in the movies actually matter more to us. Right. And this comic is another one of those things that does that. It gives us this background information that we don't really have about Vader and, in my opinion, the Emperor. Mm-hmm. That you don't really see from the movies and that we actually haven't seen from any of the animated series either. They they create a, a bit of a new idea in this comic book, which is Vader. Well, I shouldn't say that. I should say the Emperor doesn't really like Vader that much. And they're not they're not friends. Yeah, they're a master and an apprentice. But in this book, the Emperor is very disappointed in Vader for failing and is actually looking for a replacement. Like there, it's yeah. It's not this um, Jedi master and Padawan relationship that the Jedi have. It's a very different relationship that wasn't fleshed out in the movie or in uh, any of the Clone Wars stuff. But in this comic book, they get into that, and I think it's yeah. very very cool. And that's and that's what I love too, because you get the sense he even. Uh, Palpatine even sort of makes uh, an allusion to this, but like basically when he got messed up by Obi-Wan and had to be turned into Vader, uh, Palpatine, that's when he was like, oh, you might not have been the the guy that I was like looking for. And I think that's when he started basically, okay, I got to come up with a backup, a backup plan for my, for my Darth Vader essentially, because like him getting that catastrophically messed up was not a good thing for for the emperor you know like like because i mean he is very much impeded by his his encasing in, inside of this robotic machine that he had his life support system you know and you we, we all think that he is this powerful being and, and he is like vader is a very powerful being but he is still a shell of what he was destined to be mm-hmm. and i think what what uh, uh you know palpatine wanted him to be and if we take 
I mean, I didn't, I've never even said this out loud until just now, but if we take what Rise of Skywalker uh, basically says, which is, you know, Palpatine wants to be able to put his essence into the next apprentice, well, shoot, after that, would you want to go inside of Darth Vader after that like, and be stuck in this robotic body? I mean, right. for, for me, for me, it's it's tough, right? Because until this comic and where where Palpatine actually says, you know, um, you let me down on Mustafar, I was yeah. um, I was not pleased with what happened there. So that's the first that I'm hearing of the Emperor's version of that. So before right. before that, to be honest with you, I didn't know if that was the emperor's plan or not, because the emperor's there ready to pick Anakin up, right? He's right there. I didn't know if he knew Anakin would fall to Obi-Wan there and the emperor could be there to pick up the pieces and create this monster that was far more evil than Anakin ever could have been. Or if he was actually thinking Anakin could defeat Obi-Wan, that just wasn't fleshed out anywhere until we get this comic and we hear the emperor saying, you let me down there, right? You failed me. And you're on thin ice because of that. So I think that's really interesting. And, you know, I always thought that the emperor, um, for how many strings the emperor pulls and for how elaborate his plans are, I just assumed that that was his plan, that Anakin was going to lose there. He was going to lose that fight. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. Um, I, I think that uh, it was it was it was definitely a shocking blow to to the emperor. Uh, I'm sorry, Dean, what were you going to say, buddy? Well, I was just going to say, Tim hits on a good point about this comic, um, about like it kind of giving us some insights into things we didn't really know. And I think it all, if I, if I pull it back a bit, it's all when Marvel decided that everything that's coming out now in our comics is 100% in canon. So before it was like everything that was in the extended universe, it's like, who knows if someone wants to pick that up or not, you're allowed to, but everyone's like, oh, whatever, like, we don't care about what's in those 150 books, 300 books that are out there, like, we'll just leave that. But now everything that comes out in these comics is canon. So now you give these writers the ability to actually influence this universe. And we have this moment in Return of the Jedi for me as a kid and as an adult where I am like, why is the Emperor just allowing Luke Skywalker to take down Vader, his number one guy? Why is he okay with this? Why hasn't he stepped in? And it comes it comes in this comic. We find it out in this comic that the Emperor's not super pumped about Vader. Vader's yeah. kind of lost a couple battles for him at this point, and he wants that couple next big guy. big ones. Yeah, a couple yeah. big battles. He wants the next guy. And you're right, Tim. Until I read this, I didn't really get it. Didn't get why that would have happened. Yeah, this this does some awesome, fantastic insight. And I, I, I'll say that aside from the in, the character insights, which are awesome, my, my, my favorite part of this book is when non like non I don't know powerful people non jedis interact with Darth Vader I like uh Tage T A G G E Tage mm-hmm. um he he was the he was on uh the Death Star you know in a, in a New Hope and the artist does a really good job of like actually drawing to make it look like the actor but I like it when people can sort of feel confident around Vader and can kind of Give Vader a little bit of a poke and be like, you know, know that they're not going to die. I mean, spoiler alert, a lot of them do actually die down the road because at the end of the day, Vader is going to get his. You know what I mean? But, like, I like it when people kind of can can poke Vader and he's just standing there just silently being like, okay, 
okay, I'll get you. I'll get you in the. I'll get you one day. Don't yeah. you worry. You know. But it's it's interesting to see these dynamics because in the movie you only ever see people scared of them, except for in that first interaction in A New Hope where they're like, you know, like when that. What uh, I think that's Madi when he's like, ah, you know, your sorcerer ways or whatever, and then he gets choked out or whatever, you know. But like before he got choked out, he was down with like you know talking back to Vader. But you after A New Hope, you never saw people really talking back to Vader, which I kind of. I don't know if it like if it I don't think it disservices the character. I just think it's neat to see, you know. And then on top of it, Dr. Afra. I think she is fantastic and a great addition to uh the comic and to the the lore, the mythos of the entire uh universe this like bad anti-Indiana Jones. She even says at one point, because, like, her thing is she goes, she's an architect or archaeologist of, like, weapons, right? She likes to find, like, buried weapons and stuff and old technology and everything. And and one, I I don't know, she was tracking something down at the beginning. She's like, that shouldn't be in a museum. That should be in an armory. And it's like, okay, that was a funny little, like, switch around. But, uh, Tim, what what do you think of Dr. Aphra? Do you think she fits the the Star Wars universe? Do you think, or or do you think she doesn't feel like she fits? I mean, I think I think Doctor Af- Doctor Afra is great. I think I, like I really mm-hmm. like her. Um, she basically becomes one of like Vader's crew in this in this volume. So he he knows the Emperor is displeased with him because the Emperor is making it all too abundantly clear to all of us that he's displeased with um, Vader. And what I wanted to say before that, I'll get to Afra, but that that general tag i don't know how you say it tag or taj or whatever he yeah. ki- he kind of took over for tarkin after yeah. the death star gets destroyed and this this ta- this tag his idea is is don't put all your eggs in one basket that's what gets yeah. him this promotion he's thinking we shouldn't have done this um the the death star we should have put all of our resources into um, star destroyers and had a fleet yeah, of star destroyers said, that right. can't get he even stopped. said how many how many super star destroyers could we have built with the same resources as the death star and he even said like like space is is, is in, like he's like a space fleet is is infinite you need to cover an yeah. infinite amount of space you can't just be this one thing but yeah i like his point of view is different and you know who else liked his point of view is the emperor because the emperor had put all of his eggs in in two baskets the death star and vader and now he realizes, look, this other guy had vision that this might not have been the right way. So I'm going to put this guy in charge. And I also like um, how we see that the Emperor is down on Vader. It makes me believe that Tarkin can be in charge and this tag can be in charge over Vader. Because in my opinion, there's no reason these guys should be higher than Vader. But what this comic gives us is the failures of Vader and how much the Emperor is upset with them. And then being willing to put these other people in charge, yeah. but getting yeah. back to the to the Afra, I I really liked her because she's part of his crew. So he realizes the Emperor is sort of out to get him and out to test him. So he realizes he needs to put together a crew of his own. He needs his own resources because the Emperor is building resources against Vader. So Vader puts his own crew together. So he finds this character, and I I like her. She's like this. Almost like, um, I don't know, like a bit of a sympathetic character. Like she's she's continually throughout the book um, asking when 
Vader's going to kill her, right? Like she, mm-hmm. she feels like she only serves a small purpose for him, but she's really happy to do it. Like she's, um, she's, she's on the side of the empire. You can tell that. Cause she, she says some things like, I'm, I, I can't believe I'm, I'm, I'm working with, with you. This is my purpose. And then often is like, you know, they'll, they'll do, um, they'll, they'll do a task and then she'll be like, okay, I know you're done with me now. Um, you know, if you wouldn't mind, just kill me with the lightsaber. Don't make it hurt, you know, make it easy. And well, and and she specifically does not want to be pushed out of a, (laughs) of an airlock. Definitely. Uh, (laughs) She doesn't like the cold. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) I I like, I like her. It's, it's, it's this member of a, of, of a group, right? We get a, a little bit of a dynamic of Vader with some, um, other characters in his group. And I really like his group. Like, I really like this band of characters that are part of his crew in this book. And I'll throw it back to, uh, to maybe Dean. Uh, what do you think of triple zero? Oh man. Triple zero is a great idea for a droid. <laughs> Come on. Like, <laughs> yeah, hell just yeah. think, think of a protocol droid who is all like one of their like okay so i'm also um like an expert in language but also i'm an expert in torture that's what i'm all about like i i love okay c3po i love him he's kind of annoying in every single movie he's in but you gotta love the guy and you put like you just hear c3po in your head when you're reading triple zero and it makes it makes it so much more funny when it's all about killing and torture and death. <laughs> and it is, it's, it's a C three PO droid, right? Like it is C three PO. Yeah, it's just totally. a different a different designation. Yeah, it's a protocol, yeah, a droid, different yeah. operating exactly. Yeah, it's a different operating system inside of it, essentially. And he specifically enjoys like draining people of their blood. That's like yeah. that's his favorite sort of thing to do. I think they're great. I, I love him and the um the blastro mech. Did you did you guys pick up on the, the oh. designation of the astromech, the hidden BT astromech? Yeah. BT1. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so good. I mean like yeah, these droids, they're such they're they're, they're such good companions to Darth Vader. And same with uh dr afra like this is like you said tim it's a crew we actually get a crew with vader which we haven't seen and i think is kind of necessary for the point that we meet vader in this book because i think i think the book does pull something really interesting from a new hope and that is that dynamic that the empire is like structured military led by a wizard so that guy has like a wizard apprentice and nobody wants to listen to him but then all of a sudden we get to empire and everyone does listen to him and you're like hey what happened in between here what what was the what was the stages that got us to that point so i like that we start off with nobody respects him because he totally messed up he totally messed up that death star thing um so yeah let's let's break him down send him on a mission he gets a crew and now he's just a regular dude and we're reading we're reading a vader comic where vader's the protagonist he definitely is Yeah. yeah, and and it's neat because it affords these interesting interactions that you just don't normally get. Like Doctor Affa's like talking too much, and he's like he'll make a little quote, and they do a good job of really never making Vader like funny. And because yeah. I think that could have definitely gone gone bad, but they will definitely make Vader's silence can have a little bit of humor occasionally to it, which I enjoy. Uh, One of the big things that I very much enjoyed about this comic was its connection to the prequels. Uh, I... 
the one of the things that I hate the most about the sequel movies is for some reason their inability or desire to put legacy creatures into the film. I don't understand why there's no hammerheads, there's no greedos. Um, I, I don't understand why you don't see any legacy aliens aside for like main characters like Akbar and Chewie and stuff like that in the sequel movies. You see them in Solo, you see them in The Mandalorian, you see them in uh, um, uh, Rogue One, but for some reason it creates this this disconnect for me with the sequel universe uh for i don't know what it is but the exact opposite happens with me for this comic book where they're embracing uh the clone war stuff you 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 see like his little army of of god of robots are these clone war um infiltrator units that you can actually use in battlefront the video game battlefront 2 as well so it's like oh cool like, like and then you see like geonosians and they go back to geonosa and stuff yeah. like that and it's like man this this because like you don't ever see Darth Vader on Geonosis that, I don't know, it kind of makes this weird, this thing. But now you have his footprints there. You have his footprints, like, in Jabba the Hutt's palace. It just creates this cohesion that that I feel sometimes sort of lacks from the sequel trilogies. I think this does it so, so well. By the way, what did you, Tim, I'll, I'll throw this to you. What did you think of his interaction with Jabba the Hutt at the beginning? I mean, I loved it. I thought that was, that that was the way that we all wanted that book to start. Like when we pick up Darth Vader, we have expectations of what this is going to be. And they deliver exactly what you want right away. They get into some of the other stuff later, but they just give you, they give you Vader alone walking in to Jabba's palace and as confident as ever, um, Gets in a lightsaber battle, you know, all, all the Jabba's guys are blasting at him. He deflects it all. He kills them all. Jabba thinks he's tougher than Vader. Vader won't fall for his tricks. And ultimately, Vader walks out with exactly what he went there for. It's it's exactly what we want. And so I think uh, home run right off the bat. If I could yeah. just say a couple other things, though, I wanted to say earlier. One of them was... When I'm reading this book, I read all of Vader's lines in the Darth Vader voice. Do you guys find yourself doing that? Definitely. Hmm. That's that's interesting because I honestly, in my head, kind of have an amalgamation of sort of Anakin in there. Yeah. Like I, I'm, I'm when I read it, I'm trying to do see, hear it in in Anakin's voice um, because I, I, I know that there's a difference, but for some yeah. reason. I, I'm I'm actually trying to come back to the fact that Vader is Darth uh, Anakin. Do you do you know what I mean? Like yeah, I'm trying I love to that. Re, reconnect those those pieces in my head. Hundred yeah. percent. And that actually leads me to the the other thing I wanted to say. And that was when I started reading this, I wasn't really enjoying Vader's dialogue because I felt like this is not how Vader talks. And then it took me a little bit. It took me maybe a book and a half, and I realized, oh, this is how Anakin talks. This yeah. isn't how Vader talks. Nice. So we have Vader talk, but it's Anakin's voice. And once I settled into that, I was down with it. It all made sense. Like Anakin definitely has a different voice than Vader. And this is Anakin's voice as Vader. So once I realized that I was in and appreciative of everything that was being said. Yeah. 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 I, I, I like that. Yeah. Totally. Uh, Dean, what were you going to say, buddy? I was going to jump on the uh, the start of the book here where... Um, it starts so strong, and I do mean strong by Vader is strong. 
And this yeah. first issue is going to end on Vader being weak. So I'm glad that we start on how strong he is and how much he can get whatever he wants. And they just throw us like the nostalgia, right? We're like right on Tatooine, walking into Jabba's palace. Oh, there's Bib Fortuna. You know, we know, we know that guy. Then the only page I have open right now on the book is the page where he's standing in front of Jabba and he's got like in the background, you got the Max Rebo band, you got all the bounty hunters. And I'm just going through every single person being like, I know that guy, I know that guy, I know that guy. These are all my best friends. I love that they're here. We're all, we're all joined <laughs> together. We're all going to talk to Jabba. Like we all, it, it's just, it hits you so hard right away with like, this is a Star Wars book. I'm going to give you what you love. But also this is a new story to tell when you get to the end and you're like, oh, Emperor's not too happy with darth vader i love that we this first issue is kind of perfect for me Starts it's probably strong. It's pr probably worth noting as well something that jabba says here when vader's trying to intimidate him and not really vader's not trying to intimidate him vader's just being vader but he um jabba says something like oh your jedi like mind control isn't gonna work here and vader kind of laughs and he's like like I'm not a Jedi, right? I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm a Sith. We do things differently. And I wonder, I mean, maybe how much interaction has mm. Jabba had with a Sith Lord before, right? Yeah. Like he, I, he knows none. the Jedi, but he doesn't know what a Sith is. So he sees a character come in with a lightsaber. This totally. is a Jedi. Jabba knows yeah. how to deal with a Jedi. This is not a Jedi. This is a Sith. And he completely gets outclassed. Yeah, yeah. I think... I don't think Jabba has ever dealt with a Sith before. I don't think he's ever seen a Sith before because, I mean, uh, just going off the movies and not any of the extended stuff, you know, that came before it, really, like, Palpatine is, the like, the, the first Sith we've seen in supposed to be, like, thousands of years, yeah. you know? So it, it's, they're gone, you know? And like you said, Jabba's like, you're you're a Jedi. I'm not in any, pro like, uh, danger here at all, you know? And I yeah. do like how, how arrogant Jabba is. Again, this is another moment where I love like people can kind of give uh, Vader a little shade and and you know they they always Vader always comes out on the top I guess it's I guess I like it because I know that Vader's so powerful that he can he you know and so I like to see people sort of like fall a little bit but uh I gotta say my one of my favorite scenes in this is when um uh, Vader is meeting with Boba Fett and that Wookiee bounty hunter. Mm -hmm. Now, first off, that Wookiee bounty hunter is kind of a little Easter egg because he is who Chewie impersonates in Shadows of the Empire. Uh, he There's a famous Wookiee bounty hunter that when uh, Chewie and Leia go undercover with Shizor and that whole Shadows of the Empire thing, uh, Chewie dresses up like that uh, Wookiee bounty hunter. Oh, really? So that was like a little bit of an Easter egg because cool. now Shadows of the Empire is not canon anymore. So, you know, right. and then so, of course, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Shizor shows up somewhere, but he's not going to be the Shizor that we know, just like how uh, Grand right. Admiral Thrawn wasn't quite the Grand Admiral Thrawn that we knew in uh, in Rebels. But I like how he's talking to Boba Fett. He's talking to this uh this this Wookiee and you don't really see anything but you know whatever he's talking and he's like man he says something like how he hates Tatooine I've been on here long enough and then the camera pans out and he's essentially standing in the middle of a of a decimated Tusken Raider um, uh, encampment so the idea that Darth Vader slash Anakin anytime he goes to Tatooine just he'll just land there and just slaughter some Tusken Raiders just for the hell of it yeah that's just that's not it. 
not it. even I that's I mean I want to say I love it but I mean it's it's evil but at the same time it's so human. Yeah. That is so human to to be like he's so full of rage these people hurt you know his family and everything his mother he hates them with every fiber of his being and now he has the ability to hurt them and that is, is such a human trait as much yeah. as he wants to like like push it away but it's not a jedi trait and it's just he's completely given into his hate and I, I i think people like have to remember is that he is full of hate for himself all points in time like 24 7 his hate is not towards it's not an i mean he he, he reacts outwardly obviously but his hate is towards himself and that is a very powerful thing um that being said out of everything about this comic, I absolutely hate the way the artist draws Boba Fett. He does not do a good job with the helmet. It's it's so very like tic tac sort of shaped. I, yeah. I, I or like like a like a yeah like a you know what I mean. It's weird looking. Um, I don't dig on it. <laughs> that's that's just a little side note. Uh, other than that, I think the art is spectacular in this uh, comic. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I like I like the art in the comic a lot. Um, I get what you're saying with uh, Boba Fett. I kind of have a panel open right now. He's he's also a little like short and stocky. Like it, it just yeah. looks a little bit wrong. Um, the armor doesn't look as cool. Um, yeah, yeah. Which is like one of the main things about Boba Fett is that that armor is amazing. So yeah, yeah I. I never really realized it till you said that. So thank you for ruining that for me, Corey. But <laughs> <laughs> and this artist is spectacular. I mean, the, the the funny thing is, I would say, I, um, if anyone can back me up on who the artist is, uh, if you have the page open, I do not. It's uh, Salvador yes. La Roca. Yeah, uh, I loved him. I think he was they did Extreme X Men for a while, um, but I read him on an X Men comic for a while. I would consider him an outstanding artist, but for yeah. some reason he has a damn hard time with Boba Fett. Yeah, but he has a he, has, he he does a great job with Vader though, which at the end of the day is is all that really matters. You Look, know, Vader yeah, looks um, incredible in this book. I mean, Vader is off the hook. I actually I I, I like the art in this book. It's not like you know nearly the favorite art that I've ever seen, but I like it. I think it's fine. I have more of a problem with the coloring personally than the art. Mm. I think the coloring suffers a little bit more, yeah. uh, but, but there is absolutely nothing wrong with the way Vader or the emperor looks in this book. They are done so well. It's, it's excellent. I love the emperor in this book. I think he's great, but, but to circle back to Vader in the artist, like you, you got to understand like, his mask doesn't emote, so the the artist has to come up with these angles that that and you know the way the mask is like the shadows, the way it's face, what it's doing, the way the camera is. He has to do every trick in the book to kind of give to to allow Vader to emote through his mask because there's there's nothing there. You can't say it's the same as Boba Fett, same as anyone who's masked. So I think he does a, a spectacular job. I just wish you could have done a better job with my boy Boba. <laughs> <laughs> you're right we know, your, we know your love for boba i'm surprised yeah. <laughs> it took us 30 minutes for you to mention him <laughs> I, know, I know right and, but in, in, have you guys did you guys read like so this this so this book does sort of like happen parallel to the to the proper star wars title so like we get in this book we get vader um you know hiring boba and then we get him uh what the the information he delivers to boba which is 
This is how Vader finds out that the person who blew up the Death Star's name is, is Skywalker. And that storyline was more focused in um, the Star Wars comic, which is Vader was looking for this 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 kid who blew up the Death Star. And, you know, that was something I enjoyed, which was like, yeah, like we see this in the movie. But if you look at it from the other point of view, like all this military intelligence is like analyzing the data as to why the Death Star blew up. And it all points to this one kid. And I'm sure they have a spot in there and they were probably like it's this this one kid his name was luke we don't know his last you know what i mean like they probably had all this information but wow like you sit back and you, you work for the empire you know you're you're an, you're just an analysis or something uh you just sit there and you work for the empire and you're like holy crap just one kid did this right like that's a big piece of information that you guys all have to now sort of figure out who this kid is and it was an interesting storyline that that was done in the Star Wars comic, but here you find, you see the scene where Boba Fett delivers that information to Vader, and it's awesome because he tells the Vader, he's like, yeah, some kid named Skywalker, and he's like, we done here, and the Vader, you know, doesn't reply, so Vader, you know, Boba Fett sort of leaves, but I love seeing all the windows in the the Star Destroyer viewing area where he's in just all of a sudden just shatter crack everywhere because he's so pissed off and I love how he calls like Palpatine and 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 we're gonna circle back around because I do want to spend some time talking about his his Palpatine's guys you know and everything yeah. but I do like how at the very end he calls Palpatine and you know something like Palpatine's like I know I feel you're angry and he's like oh no it's all good he's like he says something like I know where we stand now and I liked that I like. I at the end of all of this trade, like, he was very much a whipping boy, but at the end of it, he was like, oh, oh, you lied to me. And this is where the seeds of him saying F you to Palpatine is is laid. So there's there's a lot of seeds laid in this. But I before we talk about, you know, Vader's quote-unquote replacements, what did you guys, Tim, what did you think about the reaction of Vader finding out about, you know, the, a kid named Skywalker is was the kid that blew up the Death Star? Yeah, well, a couple of things. I really appreciated when um, Boba Fett brought that information to Vader because Boba Fett brings that information and says, I'm sorry, I failed. I didn't get what mm-hmm. you were looking for. All I have was a name. And he says, yeah. Skywalker. But that's all that Vader needs. But I love that Boba Fett, his, per- his, his perfection is so great that he feels like he failed this mission, yet he brought Vader one of the greatest things he could have brought him, mm-hmm. right? His own name. It's a Skywalker. Yeah. It's, your, it's your son. He brings him. Your son did it, which makes all the sense in the world to Vader. But Boba Fett says, I, I messed up. Like, I'm sorry. I, I didn't bring yeah. you the right information, right? But yeah, so I, no, it's, I, it's, I, I really love that. Mm-hmm. And, I, I yeah. think that was I think that was cool too, and I, I I agree with you. It is like an insight into his character. Um, and real quick side note: if you guys have not read that issue, it's actually a pretty cool fight. Um, I, I I believe it takes place inside of Ben's um, old homestead on Tatooine. So basically, mm. Boba Fett tracks Luke down there, and basically. Boba Fett's not prepared that, you know, Luke's at all has force powers, so he kind of, like, is, is sort of caught unawares. Otherwise, Boba Fett would have totally, you know, demolished him, essentially. Yeah, so I, I also liked that, like, I did like that ending. Like, Vader is, whatever the emotion is, there's emotion. Like, I don't I don't know if it's anger. I don't know if it's, um, like, if he's scared. I don't know what it is, but he, he feels 
forces, you know, uses the force and the window he's looking out of, he like completely breaks it and cracks it. So something is going on with him. I'm not sure what it is, but in this comic, we get lots of flashbacks of him as Anakin. And mm-hmm. I, I really appreciate that. Like they're, they're bringing, they're bringing Anakin along with this comic book. Like while it's about Vader, I don't know what these emotions or these thoughts are about, but they're there. They're showing us that Vader is either having these emotions or he's remembering these emotions. And we, we get one that he remembers where Padme says she's pregnant, right? So he, he is remembering that he does have a child and this is where, you know, this child has sort of come back into his life. So is his, um, his final line in the book is once he like because that th- this part is right near the end it's like one of the last couple pages where, where boba fett brings him this information and once he hears skywalker is the name he says skywalker will be his and it will all be his yeah so he realizes like look if this is my child and my child was able to destroy the death star like i need to get a hold of this power we need to work together. This is how we can overthrow the emperor. And, and yes. always the cool thing is, is, is you know, uh, we all know that the best written villains think that they are at least doing it for the right reasons, you know. Um, and so Vader does believe that, you know, he is going to bring about, you know, peace to the galaxy through oppression uh, once he squashes this rebellion, you know. And uh, I always kind of I always kind of appreciated that. And, yeah, I, I totally get his point of view here. He's like, look, I this is like wow like his mind at this point is just is spiraling essentially you know like we've all been in those situations where our mind just spirals but we don't have immense force powers to also probably use part of our brain to sort of keep them in check like if he didn't have any control over it he would have blown those windows out you know so like i i appreciate that like i like seeing the humanity of vader i like seeing his his anakin come through and his thoughts you know to padme and stuff like that and everything i like all of that stuff and i think this this does a, just a great job of bringing humanity to to vader but um dean buddy why don't you kick us off with uh with vader's replacements and these are uh, uh can you give us a little backstory as to what's going on with these guys well the backstory is a little bit uh it, it's a little bit convoluted almost it's like um, the emperor has sort of employed somebody to make some upgrades, make some, make the replacements for him. And then you have sort of all these different species coming together with different types of physical upgrades. And they're all going to get together in a room and just kind of duke it out until uh, like one of them shows them that that is the replacement he could have. That is the one that, uh, can carry on what he, what the emperor needs it's kind of it's one of the points in this comic where i'm like okay yes you're giving us all the nostalgia stuff that we want but also you're just going off the wall star star wars with us like you're just showing us all the stuff that we want like i want to see these upgrades i want to see all these like lightsabers coming out from you know 
who knows who knows what this character is i don't know who he is but he's holding the lightsaber he's shooting fire out of his hand <laughs> what's going on um, <laughs> i love it i love this this weird part of the comic um where you kind of have this throwdown yeah and it's like they're all like you said they're all it's like i think it's a five four or five characters plus like a brother and sister duo and none of them have force powers and so of course you know vader kind of views them as an abomination and then you know uh palpatine always kind of shoots back that you're an abomination no you're an abomination you know what i mean <laughs> one of those sort of things but uh I, I again i like the callbacks to the prequel one of the guys is a is a mon calamarian it's like just mm-hmm. a head uh, like looks like admiral akbar one of his species but on top of uh, uh grievous's body Body, and uh you I, find I out that, that. yeah <laughs> and he's so and funny. even the guy who designed it was like i was a big fan of grievous i thought he was a you know type of thing and it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's weird it's this interesting meta fanboy scenario that happens inside the comic because yeah like like in this world yeah like some of these people would know that grievous existed and be like oh wow that's pretty cool looking like he's gonna be my sort of inspiration but uh then you got like a, a trandoshan that's more being controlled by sort of a an ai unit and they're like okay we can put that into any body but it just happens to be in a Trandoshan then you got this lady who was like using all these little spheres and then like you find out that she was like on uh, the Death Star but happened to just not be on it at that point you know so there's all yeah. these like interesting ties ties back in and stuff like that and it's just it's really cool and you know at the end of the day you know Palpatine's like you know Vader's like oh oh you're trying to replace me or something and Palpatine's like well if they kill you they're better if you kill them yep. well there you go you're better and it's it's kind of it's kind of a simple philosophy and and one that I kind of like it's like it's the the rad check uh, philosophy from uh, Starship Troopers. It's like you're you're it until you you die or I find somebody better. Like yeah. that's it. It's it's just as simple as that. You're my you're my apprentice until you get bested. You know I find somebody better or you just replace me. You know what I mean like it's it, we're the Sith. Yeah. We're it's all about power. It's not about finesse. It's about power. You know so. Yeah. Uh, uh, and the interesting part about that whole fight is they all started fighting and I thought they were going to fight until there was one left. But all that actually happened was one got killed and then they stopped the fight and they're like, OK, well, that- I think I think I think Palpatine was like, all right, all right, guys, yeah. we don't want to like waste like 30 years of like R&D like totally. right now, you know? Yeah, he's like, you've uh, all you proved know. yourself. <laughs> that guy's not the guy. That's fine. Um, we'll <laughs> we'll guy, carry we're- on with everybody else. <laughs> Uh, we, we, we trim the fat a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. I thought, yeah, I definitely thought we were going to have a Hunger Games thing going on where it's like they're all, there's one left and that's going to be the apprentice. But no, it was, uh, yeah, it was interesting. It definitely yeah. looked like he was leaning in that direction. Yeah. And I know, I know we all wanted it. I thought it was going to be Vader against all six of them. And I was ready yes. for it. And yes. then they, they throw it to us that it's a winner, you know, last man standing is the winner. Yeah. And then one of them gets dropped and the emperor puts an end to it. So it was a bit weird. But a couple things about that is I think it makes sense with what we previously learned in this book about that admiral tag where the emperor is now on board with um, strength in numbers rather than putting all your eggs into one basket. Right? He doesn't just want one person to come out of this. He wants as many warriors as he can. That's actually, I, I'm sorry, that's that's actually something I'd never considered until you just said it and it kind of sank in with me. So so Palpatine's like, I'm going to have one awesome apprentice and one awesome space station. And he's like, the space station, boom, blows up. Saying, hmm, right. okay. And my, my apprentice sort of gets like slashed down. He's like, oh, 
okay. How about, yeah, and, and you're right. It, that's interesting. That shows a shift in Palpatine's yeah. mindset is that, you know, okay, it's not smart to put all your eggs in one basket. Now, granted, he's going to, he is at this time building the Death Star 2. I mean, it's, it's mm-hmm. happening right now, but he is, he is seeing the value of having more options than just one. And I, I didn't even look at it from, from that point of view. And it's almost like, okay, uh, I think Tarkin was a very much a, a, a proponent of the, the Death Star. I mean, it is called in the Star Wars universe, the Tarkin Initiative was the Death Star. So I think Tarkin was a big thing on that. So I, I do kind of get the sense that, that, you know, I mean, like a good leader, Palpatine can't think of everything himself. So he has to kind of put people in charge that he trusts and, you know, can maybe sort of inform doctrine uh, for him. And he's like, okay, yeah, maybe Tarkin wasn't the right way. Let, let me listen to this uh, tag Tage guy, you know. Yeah. Uh, he clearly, he's got something going on. So let me let me hear him. But, I mean, because he's like, I got, like, things I got to do over here, you know. I got I got cauldrons to go mess with. I got <laughs> right. shit stuff to do, right? <laughs> like, uh, it's, it's the opposite of uh, what is, what is uh, you know, he's saying in a uh, – Attack of the Clones, he's like, you know, Jedi business. He's like, I got right. Sith business to attend yeah, to, yeah. you know? So it makes sense, and I never thought about that. I I, I mean, yeah, he can't think of everything, so he's got to kind of defer. But um, I, I didn't mean to, to jump in on you, Tim, right there. No, it's all good, and no, I appreciate that. I mean, it's all about – these podcasts are all about conversation, right? So it would be boring <laughs> if we just – one of us talked for the whole time, and then we took our turn. So it's, I love the interjection. Uh, the, the other thing I was going to say is that – if what this book was, that this six comic book volume, if it was a standalone volume, we're going to see at the end of it, we're going to see Vader fight them all and the last one survives. But it's not six volumes. It continues on. So they need to build the story so they don't let us see what we want to see right there because they need to give us that cliffhanger, right? We, we, we know that later down the line, we know for sure after ending this that Vader is going to meet up with those two twins who look like Jedi, but they don't have the Force. They have some other type of power. They're like computerized or something. And, you know, Dean mentioned it. They can shoot fire out of their hands. They look very powerful. We know that if the book continues, we're going to see Vader meet up with them somewhere down the line. So it's coming. Now, if this was six issues standalone, I'd be super upset at the end of this if that's the way it ended, but having it as an ongoing comic book, I'm okay with that ending because I know it's coming. Yeah. See, Tim, here's the thing is in a book like this, that's interjecting in between two movies. If you have never seen a character, they probably aren't going to make it through this (laughs) comic book series because they didn't make it into any of the movies you love. Well, the other thing is is also don't go up against Vader because you're probably not going to make it very far. So, Yes. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. No. And and as someone who has read this entire series, it it all plays out great. I I like where it goes. I like what the what happens with the characters, including Darth Vader, Afra. You know, all these like side characters and whatnot. They do a lot of fun things with it. And then they also insert that Vader down uh, short story or or mini arc thing. Right. Uh, yeah. That was that's crazy. If you have you guys read that plus. The, I haven't read like that. The, okay, that's oh man, Vader Down is crazy. It's like basically um, 
you know, there's a battle happening, a normal rebel versus empire battle, but something happens where literally Vader's ship gets shot down. They realize that they're like, we know that this is Vader. They commit basically all their forces to take this guy out because they know he's, he's such a high value target essentially. And he almost basically fights off the entire rebel army. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a lot of things happen, but um, if you get a chance, read the it's, it's in, it's a part of this series. Like this, it's, it's your typical crossover event they they did their their big crossover event so you get parts of it here and then you get parts of it in the uh the star wars comic it's it's really cool vader down is awesome cool um all right guys i mean i i i can talk about star wars and darth <laughs> vader forever uh forever. dean i know you're keeping the notes do you do is there anything we didn't touch on there this, i mean there's a million things i, I could talk about the fact that like dr afra had a a a, a Naboo starship, like I mean, how cool was yes, that? Uh, very that they're cool. Flying around in, Lot, yes, so many I, Easter eggs. Another thing that like the uh, new trilogy ignores is all those ships that are from the prequels that are so cool. Um, yeah. So I loved seeing that. Uh, a couple things that I would want to touch on before we ended is that I love sort of the bookend to this comic. I love that we start mm-hmm. out. On Tatooine, we start at Jabba's Palace because, to me, that is a combination of two really great moments in the original trilogy that maybe everybody doesn't quite touch on, but, like, the nerds love. Like, we will love these scenes. We love the scenes in Empire where Darth Vader's meeting with all of the bounty hunters. And I think one of the greatest scenes in the original trilogy is in Return of the Jedi when they're at Jabba's Palace. I just think that that is his hideout there. I just think that that mm-hmm. is incredible, um, like, costume work. It's it's just incredible work with all those characters. It, it shows you how big the universe could be. And they combine those two into one scene. So right away, I'm on board. I'm on board with the book. And then when mm-hmm. we get to the end, we already kind of talked about the end, but... When we get to those last pages where the glass cracks on Darth Vader, to me, that brings everything together. That brings everything about the prequels together, everything about the original trilogy together, where Anakin was, like, he's basically afraid of death, right? He's, he's afraid of people he loves dying, and that's why he seeks out the dark side, because apparently you can keep people from dying to seek out the dark side. Um, we talked about um, doing everything for the right reason and also him hating himself. So he's seeking out that, like the, the cure for death, basically, because he doesn't want the people he loves to die. That's the right reason. He's doing it for the right reason. But he also hates himself because he blames everybody that died on himself. He blames his mm-hmm. mom that died on himself for leaving. That's why he slaughters those Tusken Raiders every time he goes back there. He blames Padme dying on him just impregnating her because she died in childbirth. So he blames that on himself. You get to a point in this comic where he realizes that that actually wasn't the case. He was being lied to. So all of that anger comes out that maybe everything he knows is has been a lie like maybe everything the emperor told him has been a lie just to manipulate him and he realizes that in this moment he cracks that glass and now i can really understand when we again when we get to a point in return of the jedi where he makes the choice that i am not afraid of death i will pick up the emperor i will throw him down this tunnel i'll probably die for it but i am no longer afraid of death 
this is the moment that it happens, him hearing that he's been lied to, and he actually has a son. He threw his whole life away just because he thought he didn't have kids anymore. He didn't have a wife. And he just, yeah. he, he thought he killed his wife and he killed his kids. And and that's that's when he gives, like, says that to, to Palpatine. He's like, I know where we stand or something like that. Exactly. Like, he basically, he, he knows now. And you're right. It's like, I think at that point, he's like, okay. And and moving forward, he's it's always going to be in the back of his head of his machinations of how he can overthrow the emperor. I think up until that point, it's how do I please my master? Once he finds yeah. out that he was lied to, instantly, that's why the windows shatter. Because instantly, it wasn't that he has a kid. It's that he was lied to every Everything was a lie. And that, I mean, that's why even Palpatine was like, oh boy, I feel your anger. Yeah. What you, what you, uh, this, this mofo spitting over here. What you, what you mad about, son? Exactly. And, and Vader's like, he's like, he's like, nah, dog. He's like, I got you. He's like, it's all good, man. It's all good. It's like total, like, like mafioso type of thing where like you look at the person in the eye, you're like, no, nah, no, nah, we cool. And knowing that you're going to like take him out back and, and, and kill him. Totally. You know, or at least yeah, try yeah. to. But then, and, and, and I mean, again, as I get older, I can relate to Vader so so much. Um, you know, just I, I've I've hated myself. I've been fearful. Like all of these emotions, man. He's just he he's the opposite of keeping your emotions inside. He is all emotion, even though he's yeah. quiet and kind of and everything. But really, he is a giant seething pile of emotions. Um, I'm gonna throw this out real quick because I'm curious what you guys all think, and I, I I apologize if this is gonna come out of left field. But uh, Dean, you mentioned this earlier, uh, or just two seconds ago. But um, <laughs> do you guys think that he? Do you guys think that Palpatine killed Padme from a distance? Do you guys think that his Force choke killed uh, Palpatine? Oh, I'm sorry, uh, Padme. Do you think that she died in childbirth? Because I've heard yeah. so many different like theories and stuff, and I don't know if there's one right one or wrong one, but I'm curious as yeah. to what you guys think is is actually happened in Revenge of the Sith. Uh, Dean, what, what you yeah. think, buddy? Um, Corey, I have the definitive answer here. Uh, she died of bad writing. <laughs> i love that meme where it was like uh it's 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 the i guess i'll die now and it's like a picture of her she's like right she's like uh you know perfect health you know this and that uh not in the original trilogy guess i'll die now yeah exactly <laughs> um i don't know like they from what i'm given in the movies it's it's said she dies because she you know, no longer has the will to live. Um, so that force choke definitely played a huge part. That's when she knew that um, that Anakin was no longer the person she loved. I actually don't love that the force choke is is first in the movies at that point because the force choke the next time we see it is kind of cool <laughs> so it's it's very yeah. unfortunate that that's the first time we see it um, but that I don't know I I don't actually think that I, I didn't think before that Palpatine did it from afar, but uh, he definitely could have. Yeah, he definitely could have done that from afar because that's the the final push he needed to give Anakin to get him fully. Um, but then we've talked before at that stage. What is Anakin to him? He's just broken down limbless guy who he's got to put in this robot suit. Right. So maybe he doesn't need him at that point. Well, well actually, well, I, I'll say this. I, I always, or the one I subscribe to a little bit now is that, uh, you know, he, the force choke 
kind of it did its thing and i think that that palpatine sort of like pushed it even further but then the essentially she would have died right then and there but the the sheer force inside of her of the two babies kept her alive and then when they came oh, yeah. out of her body the them them they were essentially keeping her alive as as batteries as you know essentially uh, yeah i've never thought about that but that yeah. that makes sense um from if we take like the whole nine movies and all the and the two spinoffs if we take all those movies into consideration that makes a lot of sense okay T- yeah. tim do you have any thoughts on that one yeah that's interesting i like dean's answer that was killer um <laughs> i i haven't actually ever thought about this before i didn't know there was like something going on in the inter- on the internet about this but i'm going with what i've kind of always felt about it and that goes in line with how cheesy those movies are and yeah. that is if you look at episode 2 and the the love story that we are forced to digest I'm going with the idea that she dies of a broken heart. Now, to make it more believable, I believe that obviously Anakin is very strong with the Force and Padme also is strong with the Force. So I I would feel like a strong connection between the two of them. If he turned to the dark side, that could somehow physically affect her and cause distress and she's in childbirth. She is, um, she, you know, she doesn't have all her strength. She is compromised. And I think in that moment, I hate saying it because this is the thing I don't like about Star Wars. But I think she dies of heartbreak. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm I don't think there's anything wrong with with sort of taking it on face value. I think uh, George Lucas likes to work in broad strokes versus like very fine, minute details because he's trying to convey a concept. You know, he's not so much. He, he doesn't care about like how the technology works. He's trying to convey like these these ideas, these heroic journeys and stuff like that. And uh, I do sort of feel that her dying of heartbreak is very George Lucas. I think I add a, try to add a layer of a little bit more realism to it. You know, at the end of the day. Dying of heartbreak makes me look at her as a bad mother because I'm like, okay, yeah. but you have these two kids. But when I, if I say, okay, maybe, you know, even if you take Palpatine out of the equation, maybe he, Anakin was that angry that he did do that much damage. I do believe that Luke and Leia were keeping her alive. Like if, if they weren't inside of her, she just would have died right there. But they yeah. were basically keeping her alive like, essentially hearing that for the first time i really like that i, th- I yeah, think it yeah. makes a lot of sense because i would my ca- my counter would be like well if if, if uh, palpatine killed her with the force choke why didn't he do it earlier or whatever so yeah. your your argument that yes the, these children are in her with the force protecting her that makes a lot of sense so i i like that and i i do buy into that I just wish we were given a little bit more to make us feel like that was what happened because all that we're given is this, this love bond that they have. Right. And that's what, that's what I have to go with because that's all I've seen. Everything else is speculation. And, you know, while I like to speculate that what you've just shared is, is a better, you know, synopsis. I just, you know, I I need a little bit more. I need somebody, Mm -hmm. somebody 
Yeah. Give, give us a comic. Give us a three-issue arc on this. What happened? I want to know what happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. headcanon for <laughs> yeah. me now. What Corey said is now my headcanon because that <laughs> yeah. just makes sense to definitely. me. Definitely. Me too. Me too. I it's like the only that. way I can I accept it. I definitely like that idea. I love it. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I can't I can't take credit for it. I read it online. But yeah, that's uh, regardless of Palpatine, I, I kind of subscribe to the fact that she didn't quote unquote die from heartbreak. It was the babies were sort of keeping her alive. Yeah. Um, I do want to ask one more question because we, we do still have the time and, and I, I have you guys here. Every time I watch Return of the Jedi and it's right now it's my favorite Star Wars movie. I, I tell people like I, I made my list after I watched all of them and right now Return's my favorite. My Star Wars list can change over years. It depends on where I'm at in my in my life. But uh, I love Return of the Jedi. I always have. And but I've always found it odd. At the beginning of the movie, Luke uses a force choke on those two Gamorrean guards. And that force choke is supposed to be a dark side power. Where did he learn that? And did it ever really – did it ever feel weird to you guys? Like that he's like doing this dark thing? Yeah. So again, I think this is – to me, this is another writing thing because – I think at the beginning of that movie, we are supposed to believe that Luke Skywalker has possibly turned to the dark side. And I think this force choke is one of the things that shows us that because he's kind of, you know, he had a rough end to the last movie. Wasn't mm-hmm. great. And then all of a sudden he shows up, he's cloaked, he's in like in the shadows and he's doing this force choke. I know for me as a kid right away, I was like, is this guy good anymore? Or is he bad? And I think having that tension at the beginning of the movie makes that beginning of the movie pop a lot. I think it makes it very special. So I don't know necessarily... I don't know why. I don't know why he's doing that as a character. I know why I'm seeing it as as a viewer. I know I'm supposed mm-hmm. to think that he might have turned, but I don't know why... Yeah, I don't know why he's doing it as a character. I never had a take on that. Tim? Uh, I- Tim? Yeah, Tim. We, it's like we both if we turned to the same yeah. room. <laughs> Dean and I's heads. What do you got? Slowly, like, yeah. What you got, buddy? <laughs> well, she died out of heartbreak. Um, <laughs> no, 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 different. Hey, listen. <laughs> oh, sorry, different question. Um, Luke is not your typical Jedi. Okay, he is the son of the current like Sith apprentice. He refuses the training that he needs. Um, in order to go and save his friends, which is a very Anakin, his father type of move. Okay. We see him all dressed in black. He loses his hand. He has a mechanical hand. So he's following in the foots of his father here. I think in one way or another, he has these traits of his father and needs these traits to ultimately uh, uh, get him to the end of the, of the film where um where he gets to basically where he's fighting vader but you know he can get that far but is not going to kill vader so he he needs all these tricks to be able to contest with vader but not not so much that he's gonna beat vader and i mean he's never gonna beat vader i think luke is always gonna let vader kill him because he's never gonna kill his father but he needs to learn these tricks to get him to where he gets to, right? He gets to, like, the throne room with Vader and the Emperor. He, he learns all the skills he needs to to get there, but not in the typical fashion that you would, you would learn them as a Jedi, right? Like, Obi-Wan yeah. getting, getting to that position, his, his journey is far different than Luke doing it, right? Because they're different people. Like, Luke, I think, I guess, 
short answer is I think Luke, I think it's genetics. I think Luke has genetics from Anakin and Anakin, you know, these things happened for a reason. These things are instilled in Luke and he is unable to not like have those as part of who he is. Yeah, you know what, Tim? I think here is where we take the new trilogy into consideration. Luke does a lot of stuff that he's not proud of. And right. I think this is the start. This is, he's getting total control over the Force. He he does want to understand his father. And I think maybe he dips into a little bit of the, you know, the, the Force choke, the other side, just learning what that power means so that he can first talk to his father. But then when we get later down the lines in the movies he regrets some of the stuff he does. And I think, I think this a, is the start. I th- yeah. I think this is something we don't know a lot about. Like we, we know when, um, you know, the Jedi grab younglings, right. Who are strong in the force and they want to start training them along the right path. Well, I think what we have here is we've got Luke who has the power of the force, but he's got the power of the most powerful Jedi of all time who has gone rogue and gone bad. And, you know, we understand why, you know, out of love, but we also understand that Anakin got trained f- at a far later time than he should have, right? So he wasn't even like your typical Jedi um, yeah. training process, and neither is Luke. Luke, Luke is like uh, almost in in certain ways mirroring Anakin's training process um, of being defiant, you know, all, all along. So I think it's the typical like like father like son. So he's, I don't yeah. know why he's doing these things, but he's I, I, ultimately, I think he's doing it because his father did it. Yeah. Anakin, and, was, I mean, I think I was gonna, Anakin I was, was like 10 years old when he got trained and that was too old. And Luke is like yeah. 25 or whatever. Right. Like <laughs> exactly, that's way right? past when you're supposed to be trained. So maybe this is why. Maybe because when you're younger, it's easier to say this is right. This is wrong. You only do right. And right. at that point, when you're an adult, you're just like, okay, well, there's some gray and I'm going to yeah. choke this guy the, out. The lines are clouded a little bit, right? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. He, he needs to get to a certain place. I'm going to choke this dude out right <laughs> here. choke this dude out because that is the best way to get past him. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think we can all agree that he didn't kill those Gamorrean guards. Yeah. He probably just choked them until they, they passed out. Yeah. Um, which, you know, not, not the best thing to do to somebody. Uh, but, uh, but I mean, you know, like, it's really, how is that different than using your mind control saying like, turn around yeah. and walk away? Right. Yeah. Like it's, it's the same, it's the same technique. It gets you the same place. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I always, I was always under the impression that during this time period, Luke is kind of like doing his own thing, figuring his own sort of stuff out. So he might be, I don't know if he's necessarily reading Sith, you know, text, but he's reading about all kinds of other techniques. And he was probably like, oh, all right, I learned this one. Let me try this one out. And he probably was like, oh, that one, that didn't feel right. You know what I mean? So I don't think he, maybe he never used it again. And if like someone asked him, he'd probably be like, you know what? That wasn't my finest hour choking out those two Camorian guards. Yeah, Yeah, sure. (laughs) But, uh, but you know, like he's, at the end of the day, he's human, so he's he's gonna be he's testing his powers. He's seeing what's out there. But uh, I always thought that I just always, even as a kid, I was always yeah. like, huh. No one really brings up the fact that Luke straight straight up force chokes these dudes. Very and, good uh, point. You know, yeah. and and it see and it seems kind of brutal because they're all like going, you know, grabbing at their necks with their with their rubbery fingers that are kind of flapping in the wind. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who knows? Um, like those maybe those Gamorians had like. Um, 
you know, had bad relations with Luke and his uh, uncle and aunt when they were on Tatooine, right? Like maybe, yeah. maybe this is like a revenge thing that we saw from Anakin with the Tusken Raiders. Like, you know, who knows? But um, I, I approve. I approve of the the Force joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I do. And I also like, you know, I, I agree with with your assessment. He, he Luke is a different kind of Jedi. He's he's yeah. just he, he's more going to be more gray. He's going to be more, you know, in the middle because he doesn't have all of that proper teaching because he's so, so much like his father, you know. And uh, yeah, it's it's you're just going to come out with something different. And you know, I know people have their their issues with last last Jedi, but you know, I I actually liked uh, where Luke Skywalker went in that movie, and I like that he came back around. Like you know, like a lot of people are like, oh, you know, the rise of Skywalker kind of negates the last Jedi with Luke because he says, oh, I was wrong, but it's like no, people are allowed to be wrong. If anything. Like it shows you how big of his how big his character is that he can admit that he was wrong about something because mm-hmm. we all know that that you know people who are arrogant can never admit that they're wrong but if you're humble you can and and that's just like uh, hum- like being humble is a sign of like kind of being a master at something you know what I mean and uh, yeah. I, I like that because I, I you know I do I related to that Luke in in Last Jedi so and yeah. and I think it also helped that Luke was never quite my favorite character anyways so yeah. it's kind of I've I've actually never related to Luke more than I did in Last Jedi. Man, I hope we didn't just lose half of our uh, listeners because of that statement. (laughs) You didn't lose me. And I love Last Jedi. And I don't think we even need to bring Rise into the conversation about Luke coming around because I think the whole point of Last Jedi is Luke is like, nah, this Star Wars stuff is stupid. You don't need it anymore. Like, leave the past in the past. But then when it comes to the end, he is the hero. He does it. He does it. He comes around and he says, you know what? Nah, this is something. Something is yeah. here. The Star Wars is great. The force is great. I will use it and I will I will save everybody. So I think he comes around by the end of that movie. So yeah. him and Rise make sense because I think he's there at the end of The Last Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm 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 with you there, buddy. I'm definitely with you there. Um, any uh, any final thoughts, gentlemen, before we wrap? I, I know we already did our final thought. That was like 20 more minutes of it. Um, but uh, I, I, we, all, we all just love Star Wars so much, and I want to be able to just, you know, keep it all, like, on the podcast so we don't have to be like, hey, remember that? Like, I want to actually get our thoughts out there. But, uh, Tim, buddy, any anything else that we're, we're missing on this one? I think we nailed it. I would just say that this is a really, really – quick read of a comic book mm. for for six issues you can really go through this fast there's multiple pages where there's no text you're just watching action happen i would recommend this to anybody who likes star wars if you like vader or the emperor 100 percent, go check this out you will love it it's great yes yes uh dean uh what are your thoughts on on this do you recommend it as well uh definitely definitely recommend it um i love it overall uh should we do the the rating out of five that you do now on this show <laughs> let's do it let's yeah, do it sure let's do it uh, uh D- dean you first and then we'll go back to tim and then i'll do mine okay so um i i just i have to give it you know five vader helmets out of five i have to i have to and it's because it's because it is canon it's because they made the choice that everything in this comic relates to everything you've watched in a movie and i think they knocked it out of the park with this i think there's so much in this if you're a fan of the movies you will dig into this and you will enjoy what they were doing and it will connect the dots if you had any 
if you love Vader and you had any sort of thought of like, why does he do this? Why does, where does he, how did he get from point A to point B? I think this comic gets you there. Nice. Nice. Tim, what you got, buddy? If the art and coloring was better, it would get a five. This, I love the story. It's great. But for me, it's going to get four force chokes out of five. Nice. Nice. (laughs) <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, all right. I'm going to give it uh, 4.5 charred Tuscan Raider limbs out of five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the reason that it doesn't get a five for me is uh, because of Boba Fett. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I, That's I legit, like the man. art. And, and <laughs> I mean, even sometimes even like a little bit of a wonky art can, can you know, I, I can deal with it. It's no big deal. But for me, honestly, it, the only reason it gets knocked down just a, a hair is because as a stand, like if it were a standalone trade, it would leave you uh, wanting more and you don't get the full story in this trade. And, and a lot of people say, well, that, you know, that doesn't happens a lot too. But yeah, there's also, but there's also, a lot of trades out there that like have a really contain- self-contained story. Uh, this one is definitely a part of a bigger thing, and but I, it's absolutely amazing. And if you love Star Wars, the only caveat I'm going to say is just just be prepared that if you read it, you're going to buy the rest of the the series. So yeah. <laughs> just be prepared to commit to that financial commitment, and uh, and you're going to have fun with it. But as like as its own story like as a standalone story it it just can't be a five because it just leaves too many sort of pieces open for me but the whole vader story itself is is a five and i i love it and highly recommend it to any star wars fan out there uh after we get off the 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 the, this call i'm gonna maybe go and and read a little bit more that's that's a lie i'm gonna go edit I'm going to smoke and edit is what I'm going to do until my wife comes home. But, uh, all right, gentlemen, uh, who's going to tell us where they can, we can find you guys out there in the universe. Yeah. We can basically be found at talkback pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We are most active on, on Instagram. We do a lot of fun things there. We love engaging with anybody who wants to engage with us and that's about it yeah we release our episode so we we release our episodes every monday and we're doing something new each week that's right that's right uh D- right. dean do you have uh, uh anything you uh, anything you want to plug personally or whatever uh nothing personally i just like to leave off with uh a quote from a great man um he is uh he is the leader of the empire and it is uh infinite power <laughs> <laughs> edit, edit that oh, out man. Corey edit that out <laughs> I love Pal- Pal- Palpatine so much guys seriously like I'm so happy that I'm uh, I'm talking to people who love Palpatine as much as I do oh my and goodness it's, and, and, and seriously like my favorite thing about revenge of the sith the movie is that like the b storyline is about this one guy who's literally having the best day of his entire <laughs> life and i love the pure maniacal glee that that darth sidious has the entire episode i mean seriously like it's everything all of his machinations have led to this and it's it's beautiful to watch a man just so happy so happy he's having the best plans. day ever best day uh, ever it's the greatest. <laughs> <laughs> he's so happy he loves so happy. power love and he's it. getting he's it just, 
He's getting it. All of the power is his. Oh, man. Oh, He's goodness. so damn smart, right. though. He's so smart. He's smarter than all of us. We can't even follow his storyline because he's too intelligent for us to follow it. I would, I would love someone just to break down all the stuff that this guy has done to get him yeah. where he is in, in all this different movies and different scenarios. You'd be blown away by how smart this dude is. But they don't show us that. But incredible character. One yeah. of the best. Yeah, and, and, One of the best. And I know, I, I my gut tells me that it was never the part of the original plan to bring him back in Rise of Skywalker, but, uh, you know, like when they were first doing Force Awakens and everything, it just feels like it was, but it was, it was perfect, you know, like it had to end with Palpatine, you know, it, it started with Palpatine, it has to end with Palpatine, you know, Snoke being Palpatine clone or whatever, totally fine with that, A-okay, because... And, and, you know, the whole Dark Empire thing, which was one of my favorite comics of all time, I love that they kind of mined that, you know, at least for some of the visuals of Palpatine here. It was just, oh, goodness, it's so good. So Corey, you're dipping into a whole other podcast yeah. right now. I I know, I know. I feel like we need to do a, uh, a Rise of Skywalker uh, review at some point or, or a sequel trilogy review, like, as a whole. I would always be down to talk Star Wars with you guys any, any time at all. Um, but down you can <laughs> but you can find me all over the bfop network you can find obviously uh, ongoing comic book discussion podcast podcasting after dark cartwright a seinfeld podcast uh friday five uh tim and dean's podcast talking back and then um uh uh geez blast from our past there you go <laughs> all on the bfopnetwork.com that is bfopnetwork.com and uh yeah we're we're a growing little uh retro network so we're having fun and we may be uh adding a new podcast in the mix at some point soon so hopefully keep on the lookout for that but you can find all that information and all the podcasts out over at bfopnetwork.com and if you guys get a second or two if you could leave us a five-star review on apple podcast if you drop one for uh tim and dean that'd be great as well and uh those things they go just a, a, a huge distance to, to getting our podcast and, and everyone's podcast in front of new listeners so we really appreciate all the five-star reviews you guys have already given so and until next time we uh again tess we love you and we miss you and uh we can't take can't wait to talk about uh doom patrol with you for sure for sure I don't have an outro, guys, so I'm just going to say, uh, may the Force be with you. Hmm. I am your father. And as well to you. <laughs> your, your disappointment. <laughs> this has been another episode of Ongoing Comic Book Discussion with Tess and Corey. Follow us at OCD Podcast on Instagram and Ongoing Comic Book Discussion Podcast on Facebook. You can also review us on iTunes, follow us on Spotify, and support us on Patreon. Tune in next week for another episode of Ongoing Comic Book Discussion with Tess and Corey. Hello everybody, I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. 
We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. 